Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Science of Pokemon. I am your host, Veteran Lucas, and with me today is my good friend, Fisherman Don. What's up, Don? How you been? You trying to square up, bro? Trying to... What? You trying to... You trying to square up? What? You trying to step Dude, up to we're, me, man. we're Floridians. We're, we're always... We're always ready to square up. You, you want to go? You want to yeah, fight? It's, a, it's wanna... a good thing we're talking martial arts tonight. Yes, we are. I've been wanting to do this episode forever. We are doing a fighting type episode, but there's a lot of martial arts. So we are going to do a part one today, and part two will be the next episode. So get ready for round one. Are you ready, Don? I'm ready. Fight! This just in. Hey, I'm here. Hey, how Holy are you guys? Holy crap, he's back. Dollar <laughs> the good China, he's back. You know what? I have I have missed you all thoroughly. Uh it has been an exhausting few months, but it, it all uh it all worked out and things are going well. So yeah, hey guys. Uh we missed you, you goober. You know what? Take the take the Pokemon. We had so much. You take it. Yeah, well, I think I'm going to steal news the next two weeks because I have a lot I want to talk about. Uh, And a lot of comments on your guys' episodes. Come on, guys. Come on. So many missed opportunities for jokes. (laughs) Let's talk about Pokemon because there's been a lot of news uh, since the last episode was recorded. So we've had two Nintendo Directs and E3 News. So let's first talk about the, the first Direct. We were given seven new Pokemon, right? Yeah, and honestly, I have to say, none of the designs, Um, I don't think they're bad at all. You get Ooh. it? Because Wooloo is my good soft son, and I love him. Okay, here's the problem, though. Last episode, I predicted that people were going to make really terrible art of Pokemon that should not be made, and my prediction came true for Wooloo. I like the, I like the okay. jacked Wooloo jack art. I mean, literally, within like two hours, that, that poor professor's granddaughter... <laughs> Good lord. Y'all didn't even check her age. You just said, like, Ginger, get her. Oh, my God. People have some decency. My my baby is excited for the turtle. Oh, me too. It's an alligator snapping turtle. It makes me very Yeah. Happy. Yeah, it's kind of, it's really cool looking. They're good boys, and I love them, too. Yeah. Oh, um, though, honestly, though, what about the Corgi? I, it's a British... It's a British game. There needed to have a Corgi the same way that Alola needed a Lay Pokemon. It's just something that you're going to have to have. I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen a Bulldog yet. Honestly, I really like Corgis. I mean, we uh, have yeah. Grand Bull already. But I really, did you guys know that Corgis were originally bred for herding cattle, which is hilarious because they're so stubby? Nipping at the heel. I mean, it works. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. God. The queen has a personal army of them. Yep, but she's not getting any more because she doesn't want them. To I mean, if her. you were the queen and you couldn't have a real army anymore, what what are you going to do? <laughs> Corgi army. All right. So also, you know, besides all the Pokemon uh, reveals, we got information about Dynamaxing, our new mechanic. Uh, Pokemon essentially become like giant spiritual forms of themselves and do somewhat more damage. Uh, and then there's like weird effects too, like weather gets activated or statuses get activated. It kind of reminds me though of uh, of Ranma Half. Wait a minute! Oh God, that, that anime! Good Lord, we are really deeping into the we're deeping into the reference barrel now, aren't we? We're scraping that bottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, every time they have like a martial art fight, there's like giant kaiju spirit energy. 
I'm waiting for like whatever Pokemon gets Dynamaxed. Like, there's gonna be some Pokemon that is really weird Dynamaxing it. I kind of want to just Dynamax a Ditto. Like, what does he do? He copies everything and just turns into the to the earth. He turns yeah. into the whole team at once. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess. So I, 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 you know, and I guess some people have run numbers based on what they've seen. And it's possibly just kind of like a HP boost and some minor stat boosts. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a much slower meta game. Yeah, like that'll be interesting to see. Um, like the last couple of years, some people have complained about how aggressive Z moves, Z moves and Megas have made, like VGC especially. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if this sort of slows down the well, games. And not just that. I mean, like the animation time cutting into your playtime is nasty. I mean, right now, with if you have a Primal, Ultra Necrozma, plus the Z-Move, you're looking at like two minutes of animations in a turn. Yeah, that's nasty. So, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think this is a big attempt to change the meta for VGC, at least in some part. Um, I mean, this year, you know, VGC had all these different cycles, and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and we saw a lot of usage changes and viability changes, and I think this is an attempt to, you know, to kind of influence that. V-Drill yeah. is dope. I'm just going to say that real quick. Yeah, but that's the thing, too. It's like, well, okay, we all know the big thing. We were all super, everyone was super jazzed, ready to go. And then the news hit. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, that aside, Bank isn't even going to be available at launch anyways. It wasn't with Gen 7, too. And that year, that year I played, and I remember how much the meta changed when Bank launched. It was like night and day. Drift was cool. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say unburdened drift drift limb was the, the coolest thing ever. Drift limb got tailwind and everything changed. It just why is yeah. it so disgustingly fast? It's a balloon that feeds on <laughs> souls. He ate a lot of souls that That's day. Why it's hungry. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I did want to talk about the elephant in the room. I know a lot of the fan base is up in arms with Game Freak right now, and they're decision not to include all 1,000 some models of every Pokemon and form out there. And I just want to say a few minor thoughts again. Don't like, I don't want you angry at me. I just, I've been really thinking about this uh, in terms of business and economics, like what possible reasons could be for this. And I just want, want, want to put these out there. So first I don't see this being a permanent loss for all of generation eight and nowhere has anyone said that meaning that there is a possibility that we'll still see everyone in some game somewhere within generation a, which I'm okay with. I mean, like not, you know, no one game has had every Pokemon in that game alone anyway, so far anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, honestly. And here's the other thing. It doesn't behoove game freak in any way, shape or form to remove licensed characters from their universe. Like that's a loss of revenue. Like, they have absolutely nothing to gain for them to leave something out of an entire generation. It's only going to, you know, cause them to lose merchandise revenue. And I don't see that happening. That's that's really yeah. poor business move. Especially with all so those I really dope to... dress shirt opportunities they have now. <laughs> Dude, I mean, like, for anyone who's not on the mailing list for Pokemon Center, <laughs> please join it. It is amazing. They're like... In today, Mewtwo dress shirt. And you're like, what? <laughs> Why is this a thing? Why are you making fun <laughs> like, of my new dress shirt, boys? <laughs> no, I, I, 
I'm just saying, I think that, that, and this is going to be my point here in a second, is that TPCI and Game Freak really have begun to recognize how much we love these characters. Truly. So, like, you know, I want to talk about attachment. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of research that shows humans develop empathy and compassion for things like robots and virtual pets. There's a lot. And there's evidence that people develop attachments to things like, you know, these virtual pets. And anyone who has studied marketing will tell you that companies recognize that when fans have personal attachment to an IP, they're more likely to spend money on that property. I can't see Game Freak ignoring that. I think they want us to build new relationships, obviously, with their new monsters, which makes a lot of sense because then they can sell more of that stuff to us. I can't, however, imagine that they would forget all of their older characters. I, I think they know they have a value to fans. So I, I, I think that's at least one point there. But I don't know. My final point, though, is that I think Game Freak is planning to ensure that all monsters are released at some capacity within Generation 8. I really do. You know, they had issues in Gen 3 and found ways around it with side games and remakes and third versions. And I think we could see that here. And, and here's my thought. If we see a Hoenn line of sitting cuties, uh, then it does signal to me that Game Freak really does recognize how important individual characters are. Uh, that maybe, you know, the Pokemon that they don't typically market are just as important to fans as, you know, Pikachu and Ditto. And, and, you know, the main icons of the of the series. I have a feeling that if they release that third line of sitting cuties plush in Japan come the end of the year, I have a feeling that that's going to happen. And if we see that, I really think it's evidence that Game Freak has plans for all these characters because why would they release merchandise if they don't plan to use them? My biggest issue isn't so much with the news because, let's be honest, they were going to do this at some point anyway. Like, they had to. The Band-Aid was going to come off at some point in time, guys. But the biggest thing I have is that they've given so many reasons for it. I think they definitely could have announced this news in a better way. I'm so glad they did it months early. Can you imagine if they did this in October? Can you imagine? Oh. Oh, my. The sales Everyone, would tank. The no, sales they've done tank. it early. They've ripped the Band-Aid off. There are time for them to work it, but I think they could have still done it a bit better. Aside from that, uh, my friend uh, my friend always had something to say about Pokemon. Every there, every Pokemon out there has someone who loves it as their number one. Doesn't matter if it's Garbodor. Yeah. Doesn't matter if it's Vanillux. It's doesn't matter if it's any of the weird ones. This is something that people truly, truly attach to. And you're right. I cannot see them ignoring that. Like, they... They'd be stupid no. not to, and they've been around too long to be that stupid. <laughs> well, and I think, and that's why I said this: the, the whole, if, if you don't know like what the the sitting cuties line of plush is, I mean, that's they they started this last year where they released all original 151, and then this year they just released all of the Johto Pokemon. Like, so I finally got a Scizor, which I'm really excited. Um, but like. Some of these are, 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 are Pokemon that they didn't market for years and that are, like, selling out. Yeah, like I have a Kangaskhan, you, And I have a Kangaskhan. You, yeah. Yeah, Kangaskhan sold out within a few months. Like, you cannot get it anymore. And I don't think Nintendo knew that. Otherwise, they'd be marketing it for years. But I, th I think they recognize the value of that now. So I don't think that anything's going to be gone forever. I really don't. And, and I know maybe you can't have it for this game. But chances are, based on how long generations last, we'll have another game at least next year or the year after. 
Like it's gonna happen. Well, only time will tell. Yeah. I don't well, know. thanks for giving all that I news. Just, no, it's it's great to have you back. But I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you back. But now, boys, it's time to get to work. We talked about all this fighting and whatnot, so let's go ahead and we'll start this fighting type episode right. Let's do it. Alrighty, boys. So when it comes to fighting type Pokemon, I, I kind of needed to divide it out. So this part one, this round one is going to be focused on Western martial arts. And then the next episode will focus on Eastern martial arts. And the reason I want to do Western martial arts first is because a lot of people forget that the Western cultures do have martial arts. They're not nearly as ingrained in history and culture in some cases. They still are. I mean, but... let's be fair. That's because they're not Bruce Lee. <laughs> there, there, there has never been a Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee of beat... wrestling. So Bruce Lee beat Chuck Norris. I'm going to step up and say Rocky is pretty big. No. No. Rocky is... No. He liter oh, I'm sorry. Rocky literally has a statue of himself in Philadelphia. This fake character. This is a completely fake character they got. Oh. All right. So for Western martial arts, <laughs> uh, we have to start with that. The fact that the idea of martial arts is the idea of having a form of combat that is used for definition or self de uh, de for defense or for show. Uh, we think of martial arts in each culture, but it, it, every culture has some kind of martial art. Uh, the first documented case of martial arts was found in ancient Egypt. Hey, we talked about there. that already. Didn't yeah. We? yeah. We, we talked about, about Lucario. That. Yeah, boxing was one of the first ones. But yeah. the one most people know of is one of the first like major event ones was wrestling in the Olympics, specifically uh, Palais. Palais, it's... Um, <laughs> It's it's no it's a wrestling no, art. I know I just uh did you ever see the ladies man that terrible Tim Meadows movie? No, because no. it's a terrible Tim Meadows movie. <laughs> okay, so Will Ferrell is like the villain and they 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 wrestle like Greco-Roman wrestle to settle their their different differences. Now Greco-Roman like, has this tradition. All, all lubed up and oiled up. <laughs> Well, the reason they did that, though, was part of the tradition. This was a massive thing, part of the Olympics. It, w it had the basic rules of wrestling. Greco-Roman wrestling comes the first part of it, Greco, from them. Now, eventually, with the Greeks' lifestyle spreading to all different areas, their philosophy, their culture, wrestling and boxing were picked up in different areas that they traveled throughout the world. But most European martial arts did not use wrestling or boxing. Most of them are weapons-based. The history of Europe is just nothing but wars and changing territory over centuries and centuries and centuries. And really, sword and seal training is way more effective than learning how better to punch somebody. And so most <laughs> part, most You threw that reference in there. Yes, I did. When it comes to um, sword and shield training, uh, pole fighting, two-handed sword fighting, every all of that was put in. Now, at first, it was uh, mostly axe training. That was Sword training wasn't really a big thing until the 1300s. That's when we found some of the earliest manuscripts on how to fight with swords. Those early manuscripts are what we use as some of the baselines for fencing. Some of those oldest techniques are still there. Uh, now, martial arts and we also we also use them in the Jedi religion. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, the Jedi Order, yada yada. Anywho, 
when it came to all these different styles of fighting, boxing, mainly wrestling, uh, all of this was used and culminated into the culture. But uh, it really became more of a sport in many different areas, kind of separately. Um, in 1896, fencing and Greco-Roman wrestling became Olympic sport. And the idea of having the championship belt for boxing came about in 1909. So the idea of martial arts as a sport in um, the West is fairly a fairly new concept and one of the reasons that we don't really think about european martial arts in the same way we do asian one is that well how do i put this eastern martial arts tend to be a lot more showy they tend to be a lot more like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen as opposed to with a lot of um western martial arts if you notice things like wrestling and boxing it's a lot of just force it is powerful men using techniques that aren't as seen and defined now these sports are real they are powerful they're so awesome to watch but it's important to know that we still practice martial arts to this day uh one of my favorite things is that the military started incorporating martial arts because of so many military men going to asia throughout the 1800s they saw all these martial arts and they realized oh snap if we lose our weapons against these guys they are going to beat us six ways to sunday and so they that's fought. because mulan is real <laughs> all all chinese armies start their training the same way with donny osmond singing do they all have dragons like the movie? <laughs> you both. You, wait, did you know? Do, wait, did, hold on. Wait, did you know that Jackie Chan actually sang the soundtrack to the Chinese version? It's amazing. I'm going to put you both I, in a Jackie box. Jackie Chan is a treasure. <laughs> I'm going to bury you deep the underground. Anywho. Man, and he's the best drunken master. Yes, he is. He That's is. a great movie. So with martial arts today and where it stands... Um, there are plenty of martial arts that are now in the Olympics, including boxing, including wrestling. Uh, but one of the things that's really cool is that how it has a practical application. Martial arts self-defense classes are taught to people who – and it helps them. I've met kids who martial arts has actually helped them focus and try and get better and stronger. And not just physically but emotionally, mentally. It's really good stuff. There's a reason many Eastern practices use it for meditation. But it also goes into the military. Almost every major world military has some kind of martial arts. For the Marines, it's M look at yeah. look at uh, 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 Israel. I mean, they they invent Krav Maga. Yeah, they were surrounded by enemies at a time, and they were like, you know what? We got to learn to defend ourselves. <laughs> we're going to make up our own martial arts, and it's one of the toughest martial arts out there. It's done for practicality. Oh, it's terrifying! Now, terrifying. The Marines Brutally have their efficient. own, and the Marines is um, MCMAP, which is focused on grappling, joint locks, escapes. The British, the British SAS, they have a fighting style that's so guarded it is illegal to write it down. <laughs> like you can't. To be to be fair, uh, the uh, the British actually have really weird rules about like what you're allowed to write and not write. Like uh, if you ever watched John Oliver last week tonight, he wasn't allowed to air footage of Parliament <laughs> during the discussions of Brexit. Like. Britain's really weird about some of those things. Now, the reason they don't want that one, the whole parliament thing, is because, well, that's dumb. For this one, it's because, like, they don't want any enemy <laughs> figuring it out. Any future combatant, they don't want people to just look it up. And for Russians, oh, yeah. they, they practice... Britain, uh, Britain's such a threat. Britain is such a threat. Don't, don't knock Britain, man. Do not knock Britain. <laughs> they're going to go out there and want some... Dude, they might want some more colonies one day. you got to watch them. 
<laughs> yeah, you don't go messing with the British SAS. They are tough nuts. But, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna conquer again. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's it, Don. <laughs> so the Russians also have their own sambo, which has its uh, attachments to MMA fighting. And MMA, it's a great example of martial arts and how they are fluid. There's no rigid rule system for any martial Doesn't- art. Because- it's 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 cool because they threw in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, wrestling, and kickboxing into an actual sport, and it's one of the most. Doesn't uh, Jason David Frank do that? The guy Jason... from Power Rangers. Yes, the Green Ranger. He's the man. No, no, uh, he's not the Green Ranger. He's the White Ranger, the Red Ranger, and the Black Dinosaur Ranger. He's all of them. <laughs> he's he's awesome. I love that dude. But. <laughs> But it shows. Western martial arts are around. They are part of us, too. It's so cool to think that we have them around here. And we obviously they're never going to have like the same love as a lot of other martial arts like karate or kung fu. But I I think it's still important to talk about them. To be fair, to be fair, though, like if you look at when these are are essentially uh, glorified, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these types of fighting styles were glorified in the 1980s. And and think about the actors and the movies that they were put in. They're just, yeah. I mean, like like you know, they're just not as fun to watch as you know Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee. Yeah, so it's it's cool. And I'm from my family's from Brazil. A lot of Brazilians get into it as well. Like it's a really cool sport. So- Canadians Canadians don't fight. Uh, Canadians just buy each other uh, poutine and say, "I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry." Man, how many stereotypes have we knocked out in the past nine minutes? <laughs> Ugh. All right, let's go ahead and just get to the Pokemon. You, you people kill me. Let's do it. All right, so to start this off, we got to talk about one of the first fighting types to ever make his way into the game. Let's go oh. right to gi- what? Is it Infernape? <laughs> uh, kind of glad to have you. It's Machamp. Machamp. Gen 1. Oh, gee, he's got the belt. He's got the belt, though, guys. He's got the belt. <laughs> now, and he'll carry you around. He will carry. That was my favorite part of that whole game. I'm just like, oh, can you carry me? Like, this is actually kind of comfortable. You're very strong, very soft. But I think the best thing when you start to start with the champ with is that being a Gen 1 Pokemon usually means that you get something completely reasonable as a Pokedex entry, like Dodrio running at 40 miles an hour, or you get absolutely bonkers because Machamp is said to launch over 1,000 punches in two seconds and can crush a mountain with one punch. That is some one punch man level nonsense wait, 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 right wait. there. H- how many punches? How fast? One. So basically 500 punches in one second. Sick. Uh, oh. I know. It's, it's not exactly feasible, is it? That's breaking the laws of physics. I mean, so do most Pokemon. So it's not. I mean, like literally, like the mount, the, the muscle would 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 just like just explode. Uh, but, yeah. But the Cannot one compute. I I I think the thing that's also weird is that in one of them it says, and I quote, "It knows every kind of martial art," and that's if you're looking just by our standard, that's well over 100 fighting styles. This thing is silently one of the smartest Pokemon on the planet. It learned everything. It learned Wait, more if it's so smart, how come it didn't pick out better pants? It doesn't, it doesn't need the pants. It shows the pants. Uh, so that everyone needs the pants. Even even Brainiac needs pants. Even Brainiac yeah. needs pants. No, come no. On. Don, tell this man. Yeah, okay, first of all, have, have you 
have you seen his quads? Why would he want to cover those up with pants? Machamp is shredded. He's, uh, he's, he's I mean, Why are you shaming him for his fashion choices? <laughs> because even Brainiac just wanted a pair of pants. Everyone wants pants, but he doesn't need them. He just He's fine without it. <laughs> Solomon Grundy wants pants, too. So the closest <laughs> thing I could find with his actual fighting style comes from Pokken, which, incidentally, one of my favorite fighting games. Uh, he, it's a good game, it, man. Fun, really and like he's it. a grappler. He's a he's a grappler. He's grabbing. He's punching. He's he's an MMA fighter in that game. Like he's taunting and showing off like a pro wrestler. But he is more of an MMA fighter. Like he's mixing in all kinds of throws. He's mixing in all kinds of punches and grabs. Like he's just built to beat the snot out of you. He is the very definition of to me like a Western wrestler would be. Like just someone who has no qualms with the throws, the grabs. It's it's all awesome. So. I'm not impressed. Ah, okay, okay, fine. How about, okay, let's go to Halucha then. Halucha. It still needs better pants. He doesn't need (laughs) pants. Halucha doesn't need pants either. Nacho. Ah, yes. Oh my gosh. I actually was just listening to Jack Black. He he was on, he was on Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk two weeks ago, and it was amazing. That just. Jack Black's parents, one of them was like an, was like an aerospace engineer. That is. Jack Black is a treasure. <laughs> he is, man. You good? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, Halucha is honestly my one of my top three favorite Pokemon in Gen Six, and I mean, he was he looked when he was first announced. People love that the artwork people made of him, like fly how he flied, is literally by suplexing people away. Like it was awesome. And he is a master of Lucha Libre, which is Mexican pro wrestling. And Lucha Libre is much more than some dumb Saturday morning cartoon, which I secretly loved. Oh, the flea! The flea! <laughs> oh, I, I loved that show. <laughs> Lucha, Lucha. You know what? All I can think of, though, when I think of masked wrestling is, um, oh my God, what was that stupid sh- masked, uh, uh, with Kid Muscle, the anime, the terrible one. I mean, there's a few terrible animes with that kind of uh, you know what we'll dig into the reference barrel later we'll find it <laughs> but he's a master of lucha libre and mexican pro wrestling has a very different history than american pro wrestling so lucha libre was first practiced in the mid 1800s and it has a super strong cultural impact to the mexican people um a lot of times when it comes to mexico's history there were times of strife there were times of hardship but in, well, the most famous luchador in world history was a man by the name of El Santo. Uh, El Santo was a man who, in the matches, uh, he had such a great story around him and became a symbol of justice to the people. Everyone corralled around this man. And so he was like Stone Cold Steve Stone Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin, but one that actually got all or of the rock. Yeah, and he was like Stone Cold Steve Austin wishes. Let's just leave it at that. He was in the ring for over 50 years. Wait, didn't – oh, no, that was Jesse Ventura. I was going to say, didn't Stone Cold become a, a senator? Nope, Jesse Ventura. Nope, Jesse. <laughs> he was a governor. He was a governor. Never I mind. Think he was actually buried in his mask, too. Uh, that's one thing, too, that the, he was, cool. yeah. Yeah, the, um, the idea of the mask is a really big part of it. The mask has this, like, this symbol of who you are, this symbol of your identity. If you lose your mask, like, on stage, like, if someone takes it off, that's like the ultimate shame. Like there is no greater punishment, no better whooping they can put on you 
than taking away your mask. Now, if you compare American pro wrestling to Mexican pro wrestling, American pro wrestling focuses more on size and strength. Luchadors focus more on quicker movements, aerial attacks, and tag team matches. So it's a lot more of a story and flow to it, and it makes it a lot of fun to watch. If you ever want to see some more fun ones, play as El Fuerte in Street Fighter. He's a lot of fun. Well, let's not forget, though, to talk about that they have similar target demographics, too. Yeah, they do. Lower-in-class people, lower-income people of their areas. And you know what? It inspired and helped the Mexican people through some harsh times. And I'll say in Halucha embodies that perfectly. He embodies it, everything from Mexican culture in spades. He is an eagle. He focuses on speed rather than strength. He can take out heavy hitters by being a lot faster and jumping round and round. And... If he gets a bit too showy, he gets himself in trouble. That's like a real luchador mask. And I think that's really cool. Well, and, and I and I don't want to go too far jumping ahead, but like I know a lot of uh, Eastern martial arts were, were invented by like poor villages. You know, I, I think we see a lot of these innovations come out of areas that need it. You know, uh, rich ruling class people don't need to invent new martial arts because they're okay. But like, it's the people who feel disadvantaged that invent this type of stuff. Exactly. All right, guys. So the next one on the list is Hitmon Chan and let's get one thing out of the way. He's not based on Jackie Chan. I, I know the, no, age. he's not. Yeah, no, but like the, a lot of people like have the whole like Hitmon Chan. Well, th- I mean, that's where the names came from, but that's not what they're based on. Some people actively think that, so we're getting it out of the way. He never boxed, so we're moving on. Hitmonchan is obviously... He did everything else, though. He was an opera singer. That Okay, fine. The whole name of the episode is Jackie Chan is a treasure at this point. <laughs> Can we change the name to that for real, please? <laughs> uh, okay. And, and he had his own cartoon that was amazing. His that cartoon was great. Was, cartoon. Oh, I love that cartoon. Jackie Champ. <laughs> to focus back on topic, you miserable tangent diverting scraps. <laughs> Hitman Chan is a boxer. That that's that, yeah. That he is, but. When you look into his Pokedex entry, you find out a little bit more. So boxing is a very – it's much more complicated than just punching someone in the face or stomach. It had – it's thousands of years of tradition boiled into so many different styles of boxing. And if you look into his style of boxing, you'll find that Hitmonchan is what's known as a swarmer. Uh, a swarmer in boxing is someone who keeps up the pressure. They don't let up. They, they have to burn a lot of stamina as they are fighting. And they have to go ahead and make sure they're constantly keeping their opponent from attacking back. Uh, it's an overwhelming tactic, but the problem is it costs you a lot of stamina. Uh, the most famous examples I know that people might know are Julio Chavez and um, uh, Mike Tyson. Are the are what about Jack Johnson? Jack Johnson? I dang on, let me go. Let me let me look him up really. Jack quick. Johnson. So Jack Johnson. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, John. I'm looking him up. Uh, so, um, I know a little bit. Jack Johnson was like. He was um he was he was a fairly defensive fighter, especially for his time. He was actually like partially decried for how defensive he was, and they called him a coward. In addition to like like the rampant racism, there's a really well, awesome. Okay, hold on. Oh, sorry. I, I, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna branch with you though here though. I think it has less to do with his fighting style and more to do with the racism. I mean, like they states literally invented a law like banning black men from traveling with white women just to put Jack Johnson in jail so that he would stop boxing. 
Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the racism was was beyond. Aside rampant. from the cultural implications, what he was known as is an outboxer. So an outboxer, they're actually the exact opposite. They maintain a gap with their opponent and they fight with a longer reaching. So that's why it can be seen as like a coward's way as well. So that's the other thing they could appear. Obviously, the racism had something to do with it because you know, just kind of a thing. But, yeah, he was, a, he was an outboxer. <laughs> uh, the other types of boxers are things like sluggers. So these are your, uh, these are your Paul Blanchard, your Rick Browns. Uh, these guys are the ones who are just going to be. This is your. This is the, like the least classy version of boxing. It just they just wade in and throw throw punches. Yeah, the slugger is just no. I'm just gonna punch you and you're down. Uh, the other thing too with Hitmonchan is that. He actually has to take three-minute rests after each fight before he has to get into another fight, just like boxing rules would go. Um, but he can fire his punches faster than a bullet train, which makes his punch go well over 500 miles per hour. Not the fastest. Isn't that yeah. like – I mean like how – is he breaking this like, he, yeah, speed of sound? Not, maybe. Is it speed of sounds of 700 something, right? Yeah, something around that. I will say also that they say Hitmonchan. It's like 720. Yeah. Hitmonchan has a corkscrew punch, and um, the corkscrew punch found a little fun history. Was apparently invented by a, a man by the name of Charles Kid McCoy, and he boxed in the early 1900s. Um, I looked into the move. The idea is just making sure that you twist your wrist in a certain way in order to try and increase more power. It's said to provide more power and more strength, but the best thing that I've seen about it is that by twisting it, it increases your wrist protection and helps get past guards. So I got to learn boxing techniques. This podcast is fantastic. I will jump in real quick too and mention talking about Jack Johnson. There's a, a fascinating podcast about him by History on Fire. Um, if anyone's interested, I'd highly recommend checking it out. I know I, I was just listening to NPR's new um, through line. They've been talking a lot about. Uh, he was one of the first episodes. It was really good. All right. So I do have our next one is Gallate and uh, Don. You said you know a bit more about fencing than any of us. So go right ahead. Um, yeah, so one of my friends, uh, one of my roommates in college, actually, she fenced for a while. So I learned a bit about fencing um, through her. Um, and Gallade, I mean, his name is a combination of Gallant and Blade. He's very much the romanticized version of a duelist. Um, several Zex entries talk about how honorable he is. Um, swordsmanship has kind of been a part of, especially in European, well, pretty much all cultures, where swords were originally seen as like a sidearm, but then with the advent of things like heavier armor and gunpowder, so like and traditional warfare ways kind of fell to the wayside, swords were then picked up by the nobility as a way to show their status, and then dueling became more popular. And Galilee kind of harkens back to that area of um or that time time span, I guess. The modern version of dueling is still around in fencing. I mean, we, people don't die anymore. At least, hopefully, they don't. And there's actually three types of fencing. There is um, the uh, the foil, the epée, and the saber. I think I said epée right. I'm not French. Um, in that regard, the foil is a rapier-type sword, so it's like a skinny, pokey-poke sword. And you can only stab your opponent in the body. Whereas the epée is full body, and the saber... The epée is also a thrusting sword. And the saber is a cutting and thrusting sword, where only the upper torso... All I is. know... Is that the rapier? You can use either your dexterity or strength modifier. Get him out of here. Oh, DD. I was thinking Dark Souls, but yes. Oh, Lord. The one thing I do have. <laughs> 
So if we look at Gallade's arms, we see that they're kind of, his arm blades are kind of curved. So if I had to guess, I would say that he's a, a fan of the saber since they're not straight pokey pokes. And you can see Gallade looks like he's going to do a bit of slashing with him. The one bit of history, I found a ton of history on this, but the one thing I found out was a guy by the name of Dominique Angelo, and he founded some of the major rules of fencing back in the 1700s, and he was one of the people who tried to turn uh, sword fighting into something that was supposed to improve health, poise, and grace, and he tried taking it from killing into something that would just improve yourself. So I think that was just – that's the one bit of history I found on it that I just found so interesting. That's – yeah, it's um, – it really – that was like – I think that was the peak or the beginning of the sort of the trend towards romanticizing dueling. There's from before that age, there was, um, I'll just do this a quick aside. It's like half a meme within uh, some sword fighting stuff, but there's a, uh, an old technique described it, uh, end him rightly, I think is what it was termed as. And it involves unscrewing the pommel of your sword and throwing it at your opponent's head so that they duck and then you stab them. Nice. Classic. So, Gallade would not be a fan of that move. Yeah, that's not a not a good swordsman like technique. You know, I uh, I have one as a plush, and I love him, and I named him Vorpal. Oh, I get that reference. Yes. All right, guys. So this next, this is our last Pokemon, and it's the reason I did this fighting type episode. I have a super strong like love for this Pokemon. Didn't realize I had it too for the longest time. We're gonna talk about Hitmontop. Brasil. Hitmontop. <laughs> Capoeira. Ponytail. Capoeira. Ponytail. Ponytail, yeah. I think I just pooped myself. <laughs> Bob's Burger. Okay, more more reference. All right, fine. No, this one is... Honestly, I did not know this Pokemon was based on Capoeira until when they started doing the 3D animations. And you get to watch him in the Gen 6 animation. The way he sways and moves, it is just like... Every Capoeira fighter I've ever seen, and Bob's Burgers. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, Capoeira is a um, it is a Brazilian martial art that was a mainly fa- that was founded way back when, way back in like the 1800s. Now, this martial art was just like you said, Matt. It's usually done by lower class. You couldn't get lower class than these guys. These guys were literal slaves. So, these African population that was brought over to Brazil. Um, they kind of had some time on their hands. So one of the things that's made slavery different in urban areas in Brazil is that you would send your slave into town. If someone had a job that needed to get done, the slave would do that job. They'd take the money and bring it back to their master and obviously keep none. Because of that, they had time to kill. And in order to get that time to kill, they all obviously they started thinking of ways like how they'd get out of there. But they realized that they're not armed they weren't going to fight their way out of this like they weren't going to rebel they're just too suppressed to even consider it and so what they did instead was they learned a martial art where they could fight against people with weapons where they could find a way to escape and be sneaky and be able to survive and go off to the um hidden slave cities in some of the more remote regions of brazil now in 1886 slavery ended in brazil 11 years after the united states and these slaves were just like African Americans in the United States, were not really going to be hired by a lot of people because they didn't want to start paying the people who used to be their slaves. And so the people who no learned, way the, the people who learned capoeira, they are the ones who actually they turned to a life of crime. 
they started becoming the muscle for the mafia. They had their own gangs and stuff that had to be started. And for the so they were quite intimidating. Yes, they were quite intimidating. Hey, do you know? Uh, do you know Dr. James Lowen? No, I don't. He wrote those books like Lies My History, like Lies My Teacher Taught Me. Uh huh. Um, and I I loved this. So he is a historian who writes about uh, or studies um, how history is taught like incorrectly, essentially. Mm-hmm. And there was a prevailing narrative in the South from the late 1800s through like the mid 1900s for like a hundred years, uh, some reaching all the way up to like the 1980s, that after slavery ended, <laughs> black slaves actually like took over like the South and destroyed the economy. <laughs> yeah, no. For Brazil, <laughs> it's that, uh completely but like that never happened in either way. Like slaves never were freed in history of human society and then given jobs. But for them it became it became more than that. Like a lot like they kept these traditions with them and for a time because of all the criminals who were these guys weren't like nice dudes. These were people who were literally murdering murdering and gun running and drug dealing. Like they were they had to put a ban on this practice and which and so people had to practice in secret but things got so much better for capoeira because once the ban was lifted in the 1920s there were schools that opened up that taught people how to do it to this day capoeira is a is a protected practice of culture throughout the world it has international protection can i ask you a question yeah so was the ban to target the martial art or to target the minority group. The ban was meant to target the martial art because honestly, it was just trying to take down the. It was trying to fight off anyone trying to practice to be criminals because the only people they saw using capoeira were criminals. No, it was no. They were straight up. One of the things people forget about capoeira is that there for a while there were no rules against using weapons. So now you're doing crazy kick flips and spinning in the air while holding a knife. So people did. Oh, that's terrifying. Uh, now hip on top. One thing that you should also know. Can you guess what its name is in Japanese? Just guess. Capoeira. Capoeira. Like, that is its name in Japanese. So it's literally, yeah, this is the Capoeira Pokemon. And it has dance-like kicks, and it'll kick you in the face if you're getting mesmerized by it. It's such a fun Pokemon to put into the game because it's a fighting style nobody really knows about. Nobody goes to, like... No one is like five years old goes to the Y and say, yes, I would like to take the capoeira over the karate lessons, please. Please start banging the musical drums so I can dance to this awesome rhythm and kick my teacher in the face. Like They do now if they have seen Bob's Burgers. Yeah, ponytail. pop culture tends to do that, but capoeira is – it's more than a, a fight. It's more than just beating on somebody. It's, it's a dance. It's a culture. It's more of a – a piece of the identity when you get a chance to see it yourself the moves that they use are so beautiful they're so cool i have such a i mean my family in brazil was nowhere near any of that slave population they weren't the lower they were close to the upper but I, when i see capoeira i feel happy i feel happy that a piece of my culture is in a video game that everyone can see i love that People can see that, and I'm so glad Pokemon added this so early on. Of course they did. They have a weird relationship with Brazil that we've mentioned before. Of course they added a Capoeira well, Pokemon. Well, that's Gen 9. Gen 9 is going to be in Brazil. I mean, I'm let's face it. so ready. But I think... I still think Australia might happen. No. 
they're all places that Japanese love, and Lucas is right, especially during World War II. Japan has a really strong relationship with with Brazil. Yeah, oh, fair enough. It's ah, oh, I'm so happy this Pokemon exists. Well, I think that wraps up all our fighting <laughs> types. So let's go ahead and wrap this up, and then we can start recording part two later. Sounds good. Well, that was fun. It was great to be back. I oh, it's good to have you, back. you know what? Seriously, though, it was it was it's been amazing with the adoption and having to track down a new job. It's been a busy few months, but I'm happy to be back with you guys. I missed you. Yeah, we miss you too. Yeah, I mean, come on. You guys missed so many terrible opportunities for panda puns. We avoided them. We wanted to focus. No. And then you We tried not to pander too much. <laughs> I'm, I I, I want to vomit. <laughs> I want to vomit. And I can't because I'm recording. Anywho. So, as always. Bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> thank you so much for supporting this podcast i really appreciate it if you guys want to support us make sure that you go ahead if you want to if you have a buck or two to head over to our patreon and help us out give us that five-star review i want to point out my favorite buy a t-shirt then you get to keep something yes the t-shirts don't forget the t-shirts i do want to mention a five-star review from and i quote here milo comma number one fan uh i love sharks could you please let me swim with sharks like that was the first line of it and milo (laughs) quite honestly if you would like to swim with sharks in a completely uncontrolled environment uh that's don's department we have two shark swimming packages here at the science of pokemon podcast if you would like to swim with sharks that are more controlled environment, come find veteran Lucas. He can find you an area hey. where you can do it completely monitored and safe in an aquarium. I just finished my uh, my scuba license too, so uh, I can take you too in Ohio. Great, take every, uh, Don. Take Matt out. Show him what it's like to be in Florida. Have fun. Yeah. I say we take him to like the rivers first. Throw him for an alligator. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> No. Oh, you're 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 scared of the alligators? Um <laughs> You scared of our swamp cats? <laughs> they have they have been around for tens and hundreds or like yeah, it's hundreds of millions of years, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, but you have a... Nope, nope, there's a reason that they are still around. I'm not touching them. You have one million, that's some experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, guys. So if you want to find us on our social media, Poke Science, if you want to, and we also have our Twitter at Pokemon Science. Our, our email is PokeScience at Yahoo.com. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. We'll see you again next time for round two. We're gonna if talk- you like this episode, please tell one friend. One friend. Just one. Two if you're yeah, feeling if- generous. No, if everyone tells one friend, we can double our audience. I would really enjoy that. <laughs> we're actually getting a pretty good boost. That'd be great. We love you guys, and we're happy that we have fans all over the world right now, which is really weird. I mean, it's like weird to think that people listen to us in other countries. We have a pretty good following in India, apparently. Well, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Oh, God. Um, so anyway... Yeah. Put in the reviews if you want. Uh, So yeah, put in the reviews. Um, I got my world's invite for VGC, so feel free to put in the reviews any uh, sort of stupid meme Pokemon I should use, and um, I'll legitimately consider it. Oh, Cacturn. Cacturn. No, no, no. What is the other? It's got water. 
Maractus. Maractus. You are <laughs> every year I look at Maractus because it has three amazing <laughs> abilities, and every year I realize it's terrible. <laughs> it's the worst. Oh god! All right, guys. But, but you know what, Don? You know what, Don? To end that note. I'm boycotting this new game because Maractus isn't <laughs> Is it even worth playing without Maractus? Oh, guys, while they're laughing, quickly, while I can distract them, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you for round two. Cue the music. Oh, God, just cue the music. <laughs> <laughs>